Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, June 15th. This is episode number 202. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Hey, Rod, going good. We mercifully got a little bit of rain here over the last few days, so I can breathe now. And uh, if you hear any rumbles in the background, that's the latest uh, front coming through. So, but I'm not going to complain about it because we still need it. Um, yeah, yeah. Jack was uh, Jack sent me some some uh, map. We'll say weather maps of uh, of what was coming, you know, up that way. So I know you guys got yeah. some stuff yeah. coming. So uh, so uh, yeah. Hopefully you guys will be safe tonight and won't be anything too nasty up there. But a little bit of a little bit of rain's a good thing. So, uh, right. so let's bring our guest in, Jack McCurry. You guys can can follow him at Jack McCurry zero eight. Uh, Jack is the host of the Dogland and the Top Dogs podcasts. Uh, Jack is Jack is a professional podcaster. He's been doing this a long time. I've had the uh, the pleasure of knowing Jack for a long time. Uh, we worked together a while back. Um, we were talking before we started recording about uh, about writing, how good a writer he is, and um, not doing that right now, but maybe again someday. So, so Jack, how are things going? They're doing good, Rod. Uh, pleasure to join you and your brother Jeff tonight uh, once again on this podcast. And uh, yeah, it's hard to believe because we said right before we hit the record button, we haven't done a podcast together in almost two years, and it's been four years since we worked together. Um, when we were both writing, uh, covering sports. So, yeah, time really has flown by. But uh, thank you guys for having me on the pod tonight. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're not writing, but that, uh, that love of the Browns, that, you know, constantly checking Twitter and, and talking to people, uh, it, it's still there. It really hasn't changed. It's just the uh, the fact that we're not, not uh, writing the actual article. So it, it, it's a little different, but... Uh, um, as far as the enthusiasm, um, I don't know. The enthusiasm might be a little better now, actually. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I definitely say so. I mean, thinking back all the years, I mean, four years ago when we were we were working together, um, we were heading into a season with Freddie Kitchens as the head coach, the excitement and the buzz of Odell Beckham being on the Browns, uh, the hope that Baker Mayfield is going to be the franchise guy at quarterback a lot's changed in four years but uh i would say the enthusiasm surrounding the browns has definitely changed uh during that time span yeah i think so so guys um we normally start by talking about our blitz beverages this is just what we happen to be drinking tonight and i didn't ask you guys are either one of you guys drinking anything tonight I'm drinking a Powerade, if that counts for anything. <laughs> Anything's legal on this show, Jack. There's no, there's no requirements. All right. Uh, so Jack's got a Powerade handy. Any special flavor that you go with on that? Uh, I'm drinking grape tonight. It's usually grape or strawberry lemonade. Awesome. Yeah, Je- Jeff's a, Jeff's kind of a lemonade guy, not in the Powerade, but just, just straight lemonade sometimes. Yeah, I you so, know I met with the dietitian today, Rod, and she said I got to cut back on the sugar drinks. So I'm just going with water with a little fruit now. That's going to be my my go go forward beverage for the most part. Yeah. Um, you don't drink that much. Kind of like I mean, beer with fruit, but you know, without the beer. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, y- you have a lemonade every now and then. I thought uh, normally you're just drinking water anyway, so I guess, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess you just got to stick with the water all the time, huh? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, throw in an occasional something else, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's the best thing for me right now, this stage of my life. Yeah, well, I, I'm kind of joining the party. I'm actually, I'm drinking a water right now. Um, I'll tell you guys, when, when I got home, um, Kristen had made a purchase for me for Father's Day. She bought me a six-pack of, uh, it's Urban Artifacts Nitro, um, Nit- Nitro, I can't read my own writing, isn't that snake? Um, nitro Fruit <laughs> Tart Peaches and Cream. So, so it's a, it's a beer, it's, um, it's, a uh, it's tart, just like it says. It's got a great peach flavor. Um, Urban Artifacts, I think, is a brewery down in this area. So I don't know if, if it's even available up where you guys are or how far they distribute. But if, if you like tart peach flavor, um, this would definitely be your brew. So uh, more shout out to Kristen for getting that for me for Father's Day. But uh, pretty good, pretty good beer. So um I like peach guys. So, um, for anybody that doesn't know that. So, uh, so I tend to try every, every beer that says it has peach in it and some, you can taste the peach and some you can't. And this one has definitely got a great peach flavor, just a little bit of tartness to it. So nice. All right. So we're going to wrap up that segment and move on to <laughs> Brown's news. Uh, we've got, uh, got some little stuff going on. Um, you know, things have, quieted down a little bit here but uh in no particular order we'll just kind of get your thoughts on on some of the stuff guys uh the browns have hired uh grant reader from the eagles um his official title is going to be football administration and research assistant but he is a guy who's uh, brought in as um really as a, a contracts and, and dollars specialist so um Refresh my memory. The, the Browns have lost a guy or two like this, have they not? I would think so. I mean, guys have shuffled in and out. I know some guys went to Minnesota with Quezzy, yeah. and But, yeah, I mean, they've got so many guys with unique titles in the organization. Now it's hard to keep track of them all. Yeah, I, I figured they were just kind of re, restocking by bringing him in. Because, I, I mean, I, these guys know what they're doing with contracts. They just need somebody else to... Somebody else probably to pick up the slack where where they've lost a guy or two was kind of my thought. So, hmm. mm-hmm. so um, yeah, not uh, not the most exciting bit of news, but I just figured we'd get that one out of the way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess uh, I guess DeAndre Hopkins, and this really doesn't even relate to the Browns, other than the fact that it looks like DeAndre Hopkins is probably not coming to Cleveland. It sounds like he's probably going to sign with the, the Patriots. Um, what, what do you guys think? Does this just kind of sound like he's like he decided to to uh, to just go for the contract? It kind of goes sounds like he went for the contract over, um, oh. you know, kind of what he said he wanted in the first place, which was playing with a quarterback and having the best chance to win. I mean, not that the Patriots can't win, but they're certainly not the favorite in the AFC. It always sounds good when guys say they want to go someplace to win, but really what they want to do is get paid to win. (laughs) And I I told you a couple of weeks ago that this really wasn't the best fit for him here. You know, um, he he wasn't going to get 
a lot of touches here, and he needs to be a high usage at this point to, to justify the contract. So whether it's New England or someplace else, good luck to him. I, you know, I, just, I don't think we had a spot. As much as our fan base would like to add every potential you know, all-pro type player out there to our roster, there's just only, only room for so many. Right. So, so Jack, I don't know where you stood on the DeAndre Hopkins kind of from the beginning. So, um, what, what, what are your thoughts right now? And did you want to see him come to the Browns initially or, or, uh, how, how did you stand on that? For me, it was like, if he came here, cool. It's another weapon for Deshaun, another weapon for Kevin Stefanski to, uh, help on offense. Um, but, if he didn't come, it was no harm, no foul on my part, because I, I feel good about the wide receiver room as it's currently constructed. I find it so funny, though, that he's going to New England because there's this alleged beef between him and Bill O'Brien, who's now the Patriots offensive coordinator. Uh, like Jeff said, he talked about how he wanted to you know, go to a winning team and be a part of a winning organization and everything and yeah granted the patriots are a winning organization let's not you know mistaken it now that obviously it's been three years since brady's been gone and patriots haven't been the you know the greatest team uh on the planet anymore but you know they still have a good culture belichick's still there mm-hmm. but you look at mac jones had a really bad second year so much so that you know one could argue bailey zappy should get strong consideration to be starting quarterback there uh Hopkins is going to get his touches there. Most importantly, he's going to get his money. And it seems like at the end of the day, he wanted to get his money at the same time. He's he's joining, a, I think, a solid wide receiver room that has Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Juju Smith-Schuster. There's weapons there. It's now put up or shut up time for Mac Jones if Hopkins ultimately signs in New England. So I'm not disappointed that he ultimately didn't want to come to Cleveland. Um, obviously, at the end of the day, money matters for these athletes. Um, maybe yeah. more so than winning. Yeah, I think right. so. And it just, uh, I just don't think the Browns wanted to invest that much. And, and I don't know why they should when they have the wide receiver room they have that, that they do. So, right. um, I think it's, uh, I think it's a good move or a good non move by the Browns. It just is, you know, I don't think they wanted to get into a betting war if it's some, something to where he wanted to be here and wanted to, you know, come on. You know, just on a decent contract, you know, and play with Deshaun and, and uh, feel like he was coming to a team with a chance to win, then then great. But, yeah, I think the Browns are looking okay. Yep. So, uh, Stump Mitchell has, uh, you know, come out and, and uh, said some nice things about Jerome Ford. Just... Um, Mm-hmm. This is how well he's doing um, and, and really uh, more about the expectations, you know, how how good he's going to do this season. And I guess we'll see how many touches he gets. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's going to be as much of a of a split as what Kareem got or not, um, just because we don't know. We don't know if the offense is going to be, you know, like it was. Um you know, I don't know if the backs are going to get as many touches over the course of a year as they were getting. You know, now that Deshaun's going to be um, playing a full season and you've got a stronger wide receiver room, 
um, there may just may not be as many touches to go around. Period. So so he right. may not get uh, he may not get. Um, uh, trying to think what Kareem Kareem was getting what around two hundred carries roughly. Yeah, yeah. Roughly. You know, so I, I don't know if Jerome Ford's going to get that many carries. So, um, mm-hmm. but it's pretty cool for Stump Mitchell to come out because really all we've been hearing about guys is is. Um, you know, who's going to be the second string running back for the Browns? And, you know, I think, Jeff, you and I have been, been talking, you know, why is Jerome Ford not assumed to be the number two guy? You know, a lot of rookies come into this league and, and start. Uh, Jerome Ford came in. He's, he, you know, he's, he's got a season under his belt. Granted, he didn't play much, but he's been around. He's learned, I'm sure, from, you know, I, a great running back coach and, you know, and uh, some great running backs here. Why wouldn't you assume he could be the number two guy? So that that's kind of been just, I've, I've just kind of missed the point on that as to why right. everybody thought we needed another number two guy. Right. Um, so I think this is great that Stump Mitchell's come out in support of Jerome Ford and just kind of let everybody know that, that, it, that you know, he has these expectations for him. So just, right. um, Jeff, I think he, he had he had ahead. some nice things to say about John Kelly also, um, and you know the the yeah. fact that the top three running backs are probably already on the roster. Um, I think the interesting thing that you know, he didn't say was that Demetric Felton was part of that equation, um, but you know we kind of view him as as a as a hybrid anyway. So yeah, I, you yeah. know I think the team's in good shape with with the first three guys. Um, and I don't really understand either why the why the fan base feels like you know we need to go out and bring in a, a veteran running back. I mean, if one was there and and you know, like we talked about with with uh, with uh, uh, any any of these other players, if if a guy is a fit and you know we can get him at a reasonable cost, great. You know, we, we make the roster better, but. I don't think there's a need to reach here either. Just like with wide receiver. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, Jack, I want to get your thoughts on this because you and you and I interacted a little bit on Twitter yesterday because you put out a roster projection and, and you had Demetric Felton as the number three running back. And, you know, I've been saying on the podcast, I don't, I don't know if he's going to make the team or not. Um, you know, and we really haven't gotten that far yet. I mean, you know, obviously there, there's uh, there's a lot of time before spots are determined. But um, I wanted to give you a chance to, you know, kind of state the case for Demetric Felton because, I mean, we didn't see that much of him last season. So, um, you know, and I just don't know. I kind of, you know, I've kind of seen it as he's probably not going to make it you know, as a wide receiver in this room. And I just don't know if he is, is enough of a running back, you know, to make it either. So I, I kind of want to get your rationale and, and, um, you know, I guess just your case for, for Demetric Felton. So I liked Felton when we took him late in the 2021 draft. I think that's what it was. Um, mm-hmm. The times that we got to see him during the 2021 season, uh, mainly it was like bubble screens and stuff. He was electric. He averaged 10 yards a catch. He had that one touchdown, I think, week two against Houston. It was like a 33-yard bubble screen. So you Mm -hmm. could see that the playmaking ability was there. 
Then last year they moved him strictly to wide receiver and you didn't see much out of him. You know, he was pushed down on the depth chart. Now coming into this season, you know, the reports were, and I think they came from the OBR that he was going right back into the running back room just because the wide receiver room is so crowded. Mm -hmm. I, so what the way Stefanski is switching this offense and the addition of uh, Musgrave and the influence of Chip Kelly's shotgun based run offense that he used in UCLA, lo and behold, who was in UCLA with Chip Kelly, Demetric Felton. Uh, I can make the case that in this style of offense, he could be effective as the third back. And that's why I think he's a strong candidate i think to make this roster as the third back behind uh nick chubb and jerome ford in 2019 he had 141 touches for 925 yards and five touchdowns at ucla and then his senior year he had 154 touches for 827 yards and eight touchdowns now i know college and nfl is different but the same style of offense is going to be uh input here in cleveland so I could see, and of course, Felton's probably going to get limited, if any, touches behind Chubb and uh, Ford. Mm-hmm. But he has that capability to produce in this style of offense. So I think, and this, of course, goes into what he does in training camp uh, and the preseason. But I feel like Felton can make a strong case to be the third back over John Kelly. So you see him as a... Obviously, stating the obvious, um, a receiving back. I mean, how often is he carrying the ball? You know, taking a handoff out of that. You, um, you know, out of that college offense. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to say because you got an All Pro and Nick Chubb. You have a second year back in Jerome Ford, who, as far as we know, got the majority of the first team reps during OTAs when Nick Chubb wasn't there. And I'm sure he got some good reps last week during the mandatory mini camp and stuff. Mitchell's praising him. Who knows where Felton's going to get the touches, but he gives you that insurance policy to where he's proven he can do it. And a very small sample says at the NFL level and in this style of offense, he was an impact player, not only as a runner, but also as a receiving type out of the backfield in UCLA. We've seen what they were doing last week with Elijah Moore and I can't, mm-hmm. and I can't help but wonder: Could Demetric Felton do that same type of stuff out of the backfield? Yeah, it feels like they have a few guys that could do that because, uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, Jerome Ford can do the same thing. Yeah, you know, he definitely can. Honestly, so. Um, I guess my question is: Is who would you rather have doing that, Elijah Moore or Demetric Felton? Well, I mean, to think about it, Elijah Moore. I don't know how much he did that at Ole Miss and the Jets right. used them primarily as a wide receiver. Yeah. So it's like, who do you really trust in that scenario? Cause neither one have done it at the NFL level. So right. it's obviously Elijah Moore's more electric, more elusive. You probably want the ball in his hands over a Demetric Felton because, uh, Moore was a second round pick. Felton was a sixth or seventh round pick. So, right. I mean, when you're talking about talent, Elijah Moore, you want to get the ball in his hands, but I think Demetric Felton can do it. Yeah. I've, I've, over the last couple seasons, we've talked about him sort of being a talent without a position, you know, where he's depth in a lot of places, but not enough to get ahead of the guys at any of them. Right. 
Um, so if, if we're looking for him to, to fill a specific role, I'm having a hard time figuring out which role that's going to be where there isn't somebody better than him already there. Unless we're just thinking that, you know, he's a, a fallback position in, in case, you know, somebody's injured, you know, um, worst case scenario. Right. Um, but in a, in a, in a team this talented, a roster this talented, um, can we afford to keep pieces like that, that that really don't have a chance of being a number one any place, right? Well, I, I think it's interesting because reality is, you know, as long as as long as uh, as Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford are healthy, you, your number three back is not going to be on the field anyways, right? You well, know, so I mean, so he. We saw that you know, last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are the only two guys who are going to get touches, and if something happens to one of those guys, um, Dearness Johnson know. got what two carries? Yeah, he didn't get much um, last yeah. year. Dearness <laughs> Johnson, year? I think. I think Jerome yeah. Ford got four carries. I don't think uh, Dearness Johnson got a carry last year. Did he? Right. No, I'm, pull yeah. I'm, I'm pulling it up real quick. Ford actually got eight carries, and I think eight that's carries. why a lot of people are. Uh, hesitant to crown him the second running back behind Chubb is because he just had a, a small sample size. Dearness Johnson only had four carries last year. He had four. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, so they, they had twelve carries between them. So I that was mean, a good guess. Yeah, I mean, you hope that's the case this season. You hope that that Chubb and Ford just carry the load and you don't have to worry about it. And if that's the case, then you know I don't have a problem with Demetric Felton being on on the roster as the third guy, you know, that you can put out there as another weapon. Um, you know, as long I, as I he can, can contribute in other ways, I mean, on special teams, you know, if they're going to let him do some kick returning, um, you know, if they're going to create plays for him. Um, but yeah, I think I, that roster space, need, we need to see that roster space contribute. Well, they're, they're going to, they're not going to go with just two running backs, right? No, but my question is, is, is John Kelly, a better fit as a depth piece for those two, those two running backs ahead of him. And can he also contribute in other ways? That's really what, what determines that third running back spot, right? Is, you know, yeah. Are, are they going to be, are they going to be contributors on special teams, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that that's, I'm sure that all comes into play. Um, I, I think they know they can get John Kelly through waivers. They've done it like eight times already. Right. That's you know, true. so that's, yeah. that's not a problem. Jerome, I mean, uh, um, Demetrius Felton, you know, maybe so, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not. And and right. I think there are going to be backs out there anyways, guys. I don't, you know, I, I'm really not yep. that worried about running back. If something happens to somebody, there's going to be somebody they they can sign off the street at, to be a number two or a number three back. Sure. It For just sure. seems like that's the case. There, there's just a lot of guys at, the, at that position out there. Yeah. And, and I think, we also, I think we also have to keep an eye on Hassan Hall, who we signed as a UDFA. He, yeah. um, like, like Jeff said, we need guys that can contribute on special teams. I think he was, between Louisville and Georgia Tech, he was eighth all-time in the ACC and kick return yards. So, I mean, he can bring that element if the, which the kickoff rules obviously makes, you know, kick returners redundant at this point, but he brings that element and he might push a Kelly or a Felton 
uh, in training camp in the preseason and bump them both off the roster and he becomes the third back. So, and there's plenty of veteran free agents out there on the market still. So uh, if like Ford gets hurt or if there's another injury, there's options out there for the Browns to pick up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the few spots that's up for grabs. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's not a lot, not not many at all. So guys, uh, Homer Jones, who played for the Browns apparently in his final season. He was he was actually with the uh, with the New York Giants through most of his career. Uh, he was a wide receiver. He played for the uh, um, for the Giants. Um, I'm trying to remember how many seasons. I didn't write this part down, but I think it was eight or nine seasons. Then he played one year for the Browns. So uh, died at 82. Um, he was the he was the first guy to spike the football after scoring a touchdown. So he's he. <laughs> He scored on, uh, I think, an 80-some-yard touchdown pass, and, and he spiked the football. That's so, cool. you know, um, so my, my question is, is this a, a good thing or a bad thing? Because it kind of, <laughs> kind of, you know, it brought in the celebration right. aspect of football. Um, did it also bring in the, the diva wide receiver <laughs> football? Yeah. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on Homer Jones and his impact on the game. So, Jack, we'll let you go first on this one. Um, you know, if it wasn't for him, you know, what what touchdown celebration would Rob Gronkowski have? Like, that, you got to think about that because he's famous for the Gronk spike. So, I mean, yes, he's a he's an innovator in terms of football because he invented the touchdown celebration, essentially. Um, he did it because he threw the ball in the stands and got a $500 fine. So that's why he came up with the spike. So, I mean, Hey, he was an innovator and he might've started the diva trends for wide receivers, but, uh, definitely an innovator and, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to his family. Obviously they said he battled was battling lung cancer uh, at the time of his passing. So that's very sad, but, um, yeah, he's, uh, and he's the all-time leader with 22.3 yards per catch. So not only was he the innovator of the uh, the spike, but he was a big-time playmaker in his heyday. He was, definitely. Yeah, and I definitely didn't mean to make light of his passing. That's no, fine. not at all. Um, Jeff, your your thoughts? I don't know. I, I can't really add anything to that. I mean, um, wide receivers get paid a lot of money for what they do, and I'm sure if he knew what – wide receivers got paid today you think geez i probably should have started spiking the ball sooner (laughs) but but, um yeah you know it's a passing league and and um in his day you know probably no one imagined what a passing league it would become right yeah yeah definitely so rod i don't know if you read this but on the first monday night football game he had a 94-yard kickoff return for a touchdown for the Browns. So that's I did not. I yeah, did not I just see that. I, I pulled up the ESPN article, and that's at the very end of it. So that's pretty. That's pretty uh, memorable that the uh, the first Monday night game he did that for the Browns. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. That that's really cool. Yeah, I um, I I borrowed a a book of. Uh, or my my father-in-law gave me a, a book that has all of the Browns um, newspaper clippings on it, you know, um, reprinted from um, hmm. way back, you know, from the beginning. And I can't remember how far up it goes, but um, 
and I read a bunch of this, but the thing is they're so small, you have to read it with a magnifying glass. <laughs> so, so I read as much as I could. So I, I read all about, you know, Jim Brown and, and, uh, you know, and that, that's where, where I picked up some of the other names in that, but I'm not sure I made it to that first Monday night game. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a cool book, but I wish they, I wish it was available in large print or larger. <laughs> print. So, so, uh, so guys, the, the Browns have uh, still have the tenth most cap space available. I guess it's what around uh, fifteen million in that range. So, um, my question to you guys is: uh, is who's left to sign? Um, do you expect do you expect more signings? Um, if so, what position or are there specific players that you might be looking at? Do you, do you expect that money to be spent, Jeff? You, I don't. I don't. You don't no, expect don't. it to be spent. No. Okay. No. I mean, next year we have a almost sixty million dollar cap deficit, so <laughs> we're going to be rolling something over. Mm-hmm. Jack, what are your what are your thoughts? Um, I don't expect them to spend all of it because I because like Jeff said, they're going to roll some. They're going to roll a lot of that over. Uh, they need to. I think they use some for the practice squad and, you know, obviously right. injuries happen. So they're going to have to sign free agents during the year. Yeah. I do think they need to add another defensive tackle. When I, when I look at the room right now, outside of Tomlinson and Ika, and even Ika is a, a question mark just because he's a third round rookie. Uh, they need to add more to that room. Like they added Maurice Hurst and uh, Tristan Hill in free agency. Those guys are lottery tickets Perry on Winfrey and Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togi, I haven't shown anything yet. So when I look at the free agents available, Matt Ioannidis is a guy that I've been wanting the Browns to sign for months now. He's still out there. Uh, Shelby Harris, longtime veteran. I think he was recently with the Seahawks. He could help. And even an Adama Kinsu, who's, you know, been in the league for 13 years. Um, you know, he's dipping his toe into uh, the TV part now, and there's rumors that he might retire and join NFL Network or another uh, TV network. But he helped the Eagles down the stretch last year in a limited role. Uh, mm-hmm. He has a history of Jim Schwartz. I think he can make sense. He also said that he was going to wait until at least training camp to sign with the team. So yeah, there's options there at D tackle for a while, right? Yeah, but there's options there at D tackle, and I do think the Browns need yeah. to still uh, make at least one more move in that position room. We we talked about Andamakasu uh, last week. We also talked about Harrison Bryan um, getting uh, his deal redone. Um, so his he had, had some guaranteed money. And what we didn't say was that Jordan Elliott also had got the same deal done. Um, so he's he now has one point seven five of guaranteed money. Um, so he's probably not in danger of getting cut. So they must still see something they like in Jordan Elliott. Um, I mean, I agree with you, Jack. I'd like to see them upgrade that position, but um, I don't know. I, again, it's got to be the right fit, you know, to to bring somebody in that that we can we can work in at the right price, um, and and is a you know it's going to be a, a, a contributing rotation piece. Yeah, and they're probably not bringing two more guys in at this point, so no, no, they probably figured they had to you know, keep one of those guys and yeah, you know, maybe Jordan Elliott makes the most sense 
you know, to, to keep her out for, for one more year. Um, so, you know, it, at least he doesn't seem to be a liability. Um, you know, he makes a play every now and then. He, you know, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not what you want out there. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say. He's, he's better than, um, maybe better than some other options they have without, without spending a lot of money. So maybe they feel like, um, maybe they feel like they needed to stick with one of the guys and, um, you know, maybe they just felt like he was the yeah. top, top of the crap pile or however you put that. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. well, yeah, you gotta have depth pieces, you know, no matter how you look at it, even if you brought somebody more established in, um, you gotta have a few more guys. Yeah, you still have to have a fourth and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they break, how they break down D line. I mean, I think, I don't know how many guys are going to carry, you right. know, where, but, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely going to carry four guys. So, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they, yeah. They, get, they have to keep somebody. I mean, Schwartz had some good things to say about Elliot last week. So maybe it was just the coaching Elliot had his first few years here, Chris Kiffin and, and Joe Woods and like, Maybe he just needed a better coaching up front. Maybe we, maybe 2023's year, Jordan Elliott breaks out and becomes a contributing player on that defensive line. Like he had 21 pressures last year, according to Pro Football Focus. So, like, he was doing something. He just wasn't able to put it yeah. all together. And that they did bring in Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, I liked Maurice Hurst when he came out a few years ago out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. He's had his ups and downs, but yeah, I just feel like they need to add something there and. You know, hopefully Perry on Winfrey's got his legal issues behind him and he comes back in motivated because uh, I feel like this is a make or break camp for him as well. Yeah, I would yeah, say that's, that's a good point. If, if all those other pieces are in place, that, you know, the, that we have in place now work on the defensive line. That probably elevates Jordan Elliott's play. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, I th- yeah, I would say so. Um yeah, so uh, let's say I, I saw an article. Um, Pete Prisco with CBS Sports um, has his list of top 100 players in the NFL out. And uh, really no surprise, uh, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Joel Petonio, these guys always make the top 100. Um, they, they were the only three Browns to make the list. So, uh, so um I think, uh, you know, obviously it could be a couple snubs there, but I think my, my question for you guys is who would you expect uh, that could maybe make the leap to that list uh, for next season? Next season's preseason top 100. Any additions from the Browns? Well, you would hope Deshaun Watson. Because if Deshaun Watson's back on yeah. that list, it means the Browns had a good year. Yeah, um, Denzel Ward getting back into form. Mm-hmm. Getting he, mm-hmm. I mean, when he's on, he's one of the best corners in the league. Um, Amari Cooper, which I'm surprised he didn't make it. He's one of the underappreciated wide receivers, just because he's always consistent. He's not. He never runs yeah. his mouth. He just goes out and does his job. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, do you got any other names? Yeah, Cade York. I want to. I want to see him on that list. Yeah, was there I any mean, kickers on that list, Rod? Besides <laughs> Justin Tucker? I don't think so. <laughs> Top one hundred. 
Uh, Justin Tucker's probably number three, but yeah, I don't know <laughs> about three. anybody else. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the third best player in the entire league. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Zadaria Smith was not on that list, so he was listed he, as a snub. He's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, besides, besides those guys, um, Charlie Hewlett. Charlie Hewlett should definitely be there. Yeah, right. he's the goat. Um, <laughs> Depends on how well this, this, you know, these pieces all fit. You know, if, the, if our defense improves as much as it looks like they can on paper, um, some of these guys could have career years, uh, particularly on the on the defensive line. Um, yeah, oh, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see how that all pans out. But um, I, you, you're right, Jack, 100. It, it the the primary guy we want to see on that list is Deshaun Watson. If if that happens, we're we're in really good shape. Yeah, definitely. So, guys, we've uh, we've talked on this podcast about things that um, you know. I would say we've kind of labeled it as the major concerns on the team. You know, with, with the upcoming season, um, you know, things like the schedule and and you know the uh, the few gaps on the roster. You know, maybe. Maybe the fact that uh, Schwartz is going to be in his first first season, and there's changeover things like that. So, um, rather than looking at it from the from the negative side, let's let's look at it from from the positive side, and let's uh, let's try to come up with some things that are things that you kind of feel like are are locks, positive locks for the season. Things you you feel very comfortable with that you know are going to go well mm-hmm. during the season. And, and no particular order here. So just <laughs> just just start throwing them out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I, I like the fact that we're playing a fourth place schedule. Um, that gives us a, a lot of opportunity to to beat some of the the weaker teams in the league and and improve our record. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I like, I like that. I I like that the Browns finally gave Miles Garrett a solid supporting cast in the edge room, because it just seems like since he came in, it's been, with the exception of you know Olivier Vernon for a flash and Jadavian Clowney for a flash, it seems like he hasn't had consistent supporting cast around him. And now he's got Zadarius Smith, who's had three double digit digit sack seasons in his last four years. They added Okoronkwo, who's who was solid in Houston. Like they added Dalvin Tomlinson. Like they're putting the pieces around Miles now to where he might be able to finally be that defensive player of the year. And people want to say, well, why can't he do it himself? Like he's got TJ, like TJ Watt did it in Pittsburgh, Boza, but they had supporting casts around him. Miles right. Garrett really hasn't had that solid supporting cast. Now, if all goes yeah. well, and I think it will. I think Miles can finally have that defensive player of the year uh, type 
of year to where he can finally show everybody how good he really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's interesting because um, I, I mean we watch Miles and and uh, I've always been one to complain about the holding, um, but a lot of times it's uh, it's the double and triple teams that gets them too. You know, so when you t- start to take some of that away, uh, it and and we know defensive player of the year or just seeing how good he is is not just about the sacks. It's about you know being disruptive. It's about what Miles can do, which is the uh, the forced fumbles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, batting the ball down, um, things like that that he doesn't get to do when when he's got two and three guys in his face on every play. So. Yeah. So what what type of numbers do you guys think Miles can put up or or this defense even just not talking about Miles you know if you if you put um and Jeff we may have talked about this a little bit you know sack totals and things like that um, yeah yeah cuz we always predict this stuff we're always way off <laughs> so maybe we should just let Jack do it but um yeah. you know what what kind of numbers do you think you know if these if this defensive line can stay relatively healthy through the season what kind of numbers do you think they can put up with um you know sacks and turnovers and things like that so they had 34 sacks last year as a team but it was miles had 16 and a half of them or 16 of them so he had almost half the sack numbers I think with this type of defense and what Schwartz's background is, whether it was Tennessee, Detroit, or Philly, I don't see why we shouldn't have at least 45 sacks as a team. I mean, you added guys that can get after the quarterback. Like I said, Zadarius Smith, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson has been able to do it, even though he's a D tackle, more of a run stopper. Um, Okoronkwo had five in Houston. Isaiah McGuire has a knack for getting after uh, the quarterback in Missouri. So there's, I don't see why we shouldn't get at least 45 sacks. And then in terms of turnovers, I mean, last year with this defense, we had, we had 21 turnovers, which was eighth best in the league or no 20th best in the league. I feel like with more added pressure, you're going to get more forced fumbles. You're going to get more bad throws. So I would shoot for at least 25 turnovers. Yeah, the, those, so, uh, go ahead, Jeff. Rod, back in February, we had uh, Michael Marcinko on, and he predicted that Miles would have north of 23 sacks in the upcoming season. And that was, we had we had um, already brought in double uh, O, but we had not signed Tomlinson yet, and obviously um, had not added Zadarius Smith. So, that's looking pretty good. That that twenty north of twenty three number. His his um, prognostication from February is looking pretty solid right now. It would really be something, you know. Um, I, I think we'd all like to see something like that for Miles. But I, you know, I think I think most of us would be just as happy if the defense as a whole was right. disruptive throughout the seasons. You know, I'll um, add one more thing to that, too, that, that um, with this this active defensive line and, and what Jack was saying about it, you know, creating more opportunities. We finally have not one, but two legitimate free safeties on our roster after mm-hmm. having none forever. <laughs> so the odds <laughs> of our interception numbers going up are really good as well. And I think that will that plays into the the turnovers that Jack was talking about. 
Yeah, I mean, we haven't, uh, yeah, we haven't had anybody back there who really um, felt that comfortable at free safety. So you're going to have guys back there that can, that can actually do that, and um, we'll be tracking the ball. <laughs> Hopefully, right. Um, yeah, we'll be in position. Um, yeah, yeah, Jack, let's get your thoughts on the safeties and, and how much, you know, how much of a difference that's going to make, you know, especially with, with the defensive line, um, hopefully able to uh, apply some pressure to the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I love the way that the secondary is built now. Like Jeff said, we have two legit uh, free safeties back there. And as much as I love the John Johnson signing a couple years ago, and when we drafted Grant Tulpit, we still didn't have that true free safety. Uh, last year during free agency, I was, I think it was around this time, Tyrod Matthew was still available. And I was mm-hmm. starting to pound the drum on Twitter. I'm like, the Browns need to get him. Because I felt like if they added him, you could have used John Johnson and Grant Delpit, what they're designed to do. And then, right. so this year they add Juan Thornhill. Uh, they added Rodney McLeod. So I feel like you're going to get the best out of Grant Delpit this year. And then Juan Thornhill has been solid since he entered the league in Kansas City. You know, obviously he's trying to come in and keep that, you know, the loser mentality the bad culture in the past and trying to you know revitalize this team and the fan base uh, by bringing some positivity in uh, i think wins will ultimately bring the positivity to the team and to the fan base even though juan's right, trying right. his hardest but i feel like his the addition of him and rodney mcleod because he brings that veteran presence and is a guy that knows this defense inside and out because he played under schwartz for four or five years in philly and won a super bowl with him i think those two additions are not only going to make the secondary better, but I think make even the entire defense better as a whole. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know that, that Schwartz is going to play a lot of man. Um, so our, our cornerbacks are going to have a chance to really show their skills, but that's also going to free up those safeties to, to be a little bit more opportunistic. Absolutely. Um, Jack, who do you think is going to be the fourth safety? So on my 53, I picked Ronnie Hickman, but I could see it. Mm-hmm. I could see DeAnthony Bell being that guy. Um, I think Tanner McAllister, who also is coming from Ohio State, is a long shot to make the team. But there's another potential safety. Um, but I have Hickman. Yeah, I was really shocked that he went undrafted. I know Me there too. was some concerns about him after. Uh, I think about a foot injury. And, you know, he had a down year last year at Ohio State, which I think the defense had a uh, down year as a whole, especially towards the end of the year. But uh, right. I like Hickman's abilities. I feel like, you know, learning under McLeod and Fornhill and Delpit uh, could bode well for him. But I think it's a toss up between him and DeAnthony Bell for that fourth safety spot uh, heading into training camp. Yeah. yeah so, so we've talked, uh, you know, about this team needing veteran leadership um you, you know and not 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 the fact that um there's no vo- that there's no leadership on this team but vocal guys you know because miles and nick chubb and other guys are not that vocal right. so i think some of these guys some of these guys are vocal and juan thornhill's not that old but he comes from you know he comes from a winning team you know a winning right. franchise. He brings that pedigree and he's been pretty vocal. So the uh, question is, 
which of these guys, you know, do you guys see as 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 that veteran, you know, vocal leader, you know, kind of over the course of the season? Because it's kind of it's kind of different to come in and just make your statement when you get here. So I'm kind of asking who's, you know, who's going to be the guys who are going to stand up, you know, week after week and be, you know, kind of be the mouthpiece, um, you know, and, and feel comfortable talking to these guys. You know, they, they brought in several, um, several vets, uh, you know, Thornhill, uh, McLeod, um, Tomlinson, Zedaria Smith, um, even uh, looked at uh, Marquise Goodwin. Um, what do you guys think? And is there is there enough there um, with those guys, or any of those guys vocal enough to feel like they can come into a new team and be that uh, that vocal leader? I think it's definitely going to be Thornhill because you could already tell like his presence on social media alone. I feel like he's going to try to be one of those vocal leaders. Zadarius Smith too. He seems to be very loud and expressive and. I can see him trying to fire the defense up, but I feel like Anthony Walker coming back, I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a big part of uh, that vocal leadership on defense. Cause I think when he got hurt, I think it was the Pittsburgh game on Thursday night. I think you, you just see like the defense kind of started to unravel a lot more than it would have had he been on the field. Um, yeah. I think, you know, McLeod, I, I think McLeod's going to be more of a leader by example. I think he's going to okay. really hone in and try to eliminate those miscommunications uh, that the defense had last year uh, and try to nip that in the butt. But I think you have leadership on all three le- levels, whether it's on the defensive line, the, the linebacker room or the secondary guys that'll lead by example, guys that'll be the vocal leaders. And I think that's a good, good to have a nice mixed blend of that. Uh, on the defensive side, like everybody wants miles to be this vocal leader and to be like the lead dog. But I don't think miles is that guy. And I feel like Brown's fans and the Brown's media should kind of recognize that. Cause he's a, he's like more of a quiet reserved guy, but everybody yeah. wants him to be that leader, be that alpha uh, on the defensive side. But I don't think he has to be that guy. And I think he probably likes that. No. And he's going in. What's um, I should know this, but he, he's going into season. What? season seven um, se- seven okay i was gonna say six so yeah season seven we should know who miles is by now right <laughs> we just should yeah um, he's not that guy um how, how about on offense you know is are there really vocal leaders on the offense i can't think of one like <laughs> Wyatt Teller has been kind of a rah-rah guy on the sidelines, but yeah, I can, I correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Najoku's been like a, a guy to try to fire the team up, but you have Chubb. Who's a quiet guy. Cooper. Who's a quiet guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I can't find that like vocal leader. That's going to, you know, so not so even was, Deshaun. Like, I don't know Deshaun yeah, to be that kind of guy either. So does does that really matter though? I mean, do you guys feel like it's different offense versus defense? Um, do you feel like defenses kind of need to be fired up more than offenses? Yeah. I mean, this um, it kind of feels that way to me. So yeah. um, I feel like this offense is built, you know, hopefully just go out and score some points. And if they score some points and don't say a peep, I'm good with it. 
right? Um, defense, if, if a guy doesn't do his job or something, I mean, not that that couldn't happen on offense, but defense, you know, um, you kind of you kind of want guys out there firing each other up, right? I think absolutely. Yeah. They have to be more emotional. Yeah, definitely. Definitely more emotional. So, um, guys, that that's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) I usually fill a page up. You know, I left a few spaces tonight, and here I am a little short. So we usually go right at an hour. But, um, you know, we don't like to belabor the point. So um, is there anything in the news that I missed, guys? Anything else we need to, to address? I don't think we missed anything yep. Browns wise. Okay. Let me oh. double check. Yeah, I kind of went through stuff and yeah, I didn't really see anything much else. So, um, yeah, I think we did get it all. I think, I think we're good. I think we're good. So. Oh, what did you guys think of the dog logo? Um, Jeff, why don't you go first? <laughs> I don't I don't really have an opinion on that stuff. I mean <laughs> Yeah, they put an a whole lot of effort into something that really doesn't mean a whole lot in terms of um what the team does. I mean, if if this team wins and and is it has some sustained success, people will buy whatever they put out there. It really doesn't matter you know what the logo looks like if, if they're trying to convince us to buy it because it's a great logo people don't care about that they want wins well jack i'll tell you this when i was going through the news i skipped a few stories about the logo <laughs> yeah no honestly i know people put a lot of effort into it um you know i give props to to all the guys who drew logos and entered the contest and everything you know everybody did a great job at that you know there's some neat stuff yeah it's cool stuff it's all cool um we have a great fan base who's willing to you know do things like that and really want to represent you know help represent the team in that um the logo the one is is the one that i like best out of the four me too but yeah, I mean, I thought it was the best one. I think it's pretty cool. But does it matter to me? Mm, no, not a bit. Um, and honestly, seeing that, I, I looked up New Browns merchandise and I see just that logo on a gray hat. And I'm looking at, it, I'm like, it, it doesn't really do anything for me, you know. But um, yeah. but it, you know, they're the Browns, so um, right. You know, I thought Chris, Mc, Chris McNeil had a great comment about that. He said, uh, leave it to the Browns to come up with a dog logo with no eyes to represent their historic lack of vision. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I just, my whole thing on it, and somebody else brought this up, and it's a, it's a great point. Last year, they let the fans decide the elf for the field. Right. And, People crapped all over that. Then they let the fans decide the new dog logo. Why are we letting the fans decide things when this is a multi-billion dollar organization and they can hire somebody to do this? Like hire a sketch artist and then if you want to put it up to a fan vote, let let an artist actually do it. Like these people just and there were some great choices. And I liked the one that they ultimately picked. 
but yeah. I just don't like I don't know why we're letting the fans decide. I liked the right. dog that they had before the Haslam's came. It was just like a bulldog. It was orange and brown. It looked a little mean. Mm -hmm. It wasn't too cartoonish. But then like the Haslam's came in and changed the dog. And then they tried they changed they changed the uh the uniforms and they went back to the old uniforms and it's just like just go out and win. I, like Jeff said, win and all this other yeah. secondary stuff won't matter. Yeah, yeah all the rest of this is just smoke and mirrors because you're not winning. Yeah, yeah. So guys, what's what's the over under on the lifespan of this dog? How many seasons <laughs> before they before they do another contest or or just decide to update the logo or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's see. I think they changed that the last one in like 2015 or 16. So I'll give it I'll give it the seven years. Seven years. I'll Man. give it seven years. I'll take the under on that. <laughs> I would take the under. I'll be honest. I was thinking three. I was thinking yeah. three, but yeah, I was, probably not long was enough. Too. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, only way it so. sticks around is if the Browns win, like win big, like unexpectedly big. And it gets like attributed to that, and, and that logo ends up mm -hmm. on a bunch of like you know championship merchandise or something. Well, yeah, they would have a hard time changing it. Then, right, then they wouldn't be able to get rid of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think they should have just kept pushing Brownie the Elf. Yeah, because I I, I, I like the, the Elf. I like that the has a history. I like the newer Elf, not like the old school Elf. I like this new like modernized Elf that they put out. That the one that's on the fifty yard line. But, mm -hmm. like, it's so funny because, like, the newer Browns fans or the people, like, like they just kind of like, why? We don't like the Elf. And I'm like, well, you're not, like, you don't know the history of this team. And you're just trying. They don't understand. Yeah. Right Which, now. I mean, it, it's really complicated. The team's named after Paul Brown. We have an Elf and a dog as the logos. And, like, the national media doesn't understand it. And, like, the newer Browns fans don't understand it. But... And sometimes I don't understand it either, but and the plane helmet—it's <laughs> yeah. tradition. We yeah. hear it all the time, but yeah, you know, it, it makes the team unique. So that's right. Real quick, what do you guys think? Because it's—it was floated around like a month or so ago. How would you guys feel about the alternate, like white helmet that they're talking about bringing about? Uh, Since we're talking about these these discussions now. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll go first, and I, eh, I don't know. I, I know they like, wore it back in the day, like in the fifties or sixties, and it would be cool if they wore them with like the throwback uniforms. But yeah, I, I guess if it was with a throwback uniform, you know, I could probably stomach it. Yeah, yeah. I've always been a fan of the brown jersey, orange pants. Yes, mm -hmm. I don't care really much else, but I, I'd always liked that and that goes back to you know when i first started watching the browns right yeah the um, brian sype uniform yeah you know i mean white face masks and all the yes. rest of that doesn't really mean a whole lot to me but um i mean the white helmet is is kind of cool with with like an all-white you know home uniform or um yeah. in certain in certain instances i guess it would be okay right but um you know the orange helmet is kind of like that's our thing you know it is, yeah, yeah, um, it, yeah. It would have to be like, uh, it would have to be. Well, I mean, typically when they do these uniforms, it's for one game, you know, or, yeah, or something yeah. like that. So it it would have to be a very rare occasion. But uh, yeah, 
it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, everybody's pulling out these unusual uniforms all the time. So, yeah, they're, they're going to try to come up some, with something like it. If I had to tweak one thing to the to the helmet, would be, it would obviously be the white face mask. But the throwback helmet that they used when they brought the throwback jerseys out in 2021, the numbers on the helmet, if they yeah. did that permanently, I, I would be all for it. Yeah, that was that was um, if you're going to do something to the helmet, that's probably the thing to do. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree with you, Jack. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's got some historical significance. Cool. I'd be yeah. okay yeah. with that. Yeah, they wore it in the what was it the early late fifties, early sixties. So I mean, it, it it does have a it does have a winning history. I just right. always I liked it when they brought it back in the mid two thousands. And then they brought it back a couple years ago, and I just and I have a replica helmet here in my in my room, so I, nice. I always I got a soft spot for that helmet. Yeah, but definitely bring cool. back the white face mask. They could wear black and gold for all I care as long. No, as no, 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 Jeff, you're pushing any other two colors. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they can't Not wear black way. and gold or maize and blue. Any other color combo, that'd be fun. Right, no, no black. Okay, yeah. no black, and black is with the. All other three teams in our division, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. And no black. No black. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we managed to, to come to the one hour mark. So, uh, Jack, I appreciate you picking up my slack there. That was very nicely done. <laughs> no problem. Hey, that, that's just showing that level of experience, right? Yeah, that's experience <laughs> and professionalism and whatever else you want to throw in there. So, so <laughs> So, so Jack, do you have any closing thoughts for anybody who might happen to be listening? Uh, just thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, Rod, and, and you too, Jeff. Um, yeah. We definitely need to make these uh, these appearances closer. Uh, a two-year gap is uh, much too long, Jeff. So, all right, <laughs> Jeff and Rod, for sure. Yeah, so would, thank you guys so much for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jack. Great having you. And everybody give you a follow at Jack McCurry08. Jeff, yep. closing thoughts tonight. Yeah, let's let's go out and win a Super Bowl then and then everybody will want to be on the podcast. Uh, you said the S word. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't say this year. <laughs> oh, sometime. Yeah. Sometime, yeah. Well, yeah. Sometime before we, we die, we definitely want one sometime. Whether it's that this, would be good. this season or in the future, yeah, we'll we'll take it at some point. So, <laughs> absolutely. Well, this has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>